Welcome back to About Last Night. I'm your host, Anna Wiest, an advocate for justice, with Francis Scarcella, reporter for The Daily Item. On December 3rd, 2013, 18-year-old Miranda Barber was arrested for the murder of Troy LaFerrara. Her husband, Elliot, was arrested just three days later. In the weeks that followed, the authorities continued to conduct searches and gather evidence in the case. On the morning of November 12, 2013, a body was found on an alley in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Later identified as Troy LaFerrera, the victim of a gruesome murder had been stabbed more than 20 times. Sunbury police spent weeks investigating the crime before arresting 18-year-old Miranda Barber, followed by her husband, Elliot, just a few days later. With ties to Satanism and their self-described desire to just kill someone together, the couple was soon recognized nationwide as the Craigslist killers. On December 9, 2013, police searched the house that the Barbers had been living in with friends in Sealands Grove, Pennsylvania. They had just recently moved to the area. Where we left off last week, both Miranda and Elliot Barber were arrested, yes? That's correct. So at this time, what happens? They've both been arrested, but police are still trying to get stuff like for the trials, right? Evidence and whatnot. Well, sure, they're still gathered during that period of time. And we had come to find out from neighbors uh, in the Sealands Grove area in Snyder County, Pennsylvania, where they were living, is that there was going to be a search at the house. There was a lot of a lot of police activity at the house. So we got down there and it was kind of roped off and kind of in a spot where it was really hard to like get to. So I had made I had made immediate friends with a <laughs> nearby neighbor who actually let us in her in the house and we were able to go way up in the attic and sit and watch through a window, which many people don't know or that's the first mm-hmm. time we're saying that. But yeah, we were able to sit up top and uh, and watch and they were crawling on the roof. Uh, you can see them in the house because again, these people didn't have like fancy curtains on their windows. Mm-hmm. So you're able to see where they were moving. And I found it very, very interesting that they were on the roof and going underneath panels on the roof, which again, later come find out uh, that's where they were searching for a knife. Uh, some one of them must have said that's where the knife was or, or something to that effect because that's what they were searching for. So that lasted a pretty good, a good hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was freezing. I remember it was freezing for them outside. Well, yeah, it's they, like early December. They were standing out there. And, uh, yeah, we watched that entire search. So, And then when they left, what did they have? Could you tell? No, they didn't have much. They just had a bag and uh, some of, some of I guess, her personal belongings, uh, which later on we're going to come to find out that I was able to actually get a look at. Okay. And then what's kind of the... What are people saying at this time? I mean, I know you talked to some of Elliot's friends. We talked like from North Carolina. We talked about that in the last episode. But what's the general consensus, not only in the media from reporters, but also like social media, that kind of thing? Uh, people hated her more than him for some strange reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said she was manipulative and you know and and used him and it's very odd. But they they kind of really hated her more than anything, and. 
I had to start to to make contact with uh, people in in North Carolina. It was in Coates, North Carolina. And uh, again, a lot of people were more shocked at, at Elliot's part in it than hers. And she was there a very short time, so she must have really left a, a pretty lasting impression on you know on uh, the people of that of that area. And it was kind of very interesting because I remember coming back, and when I got in the newspaper, our publisher at the time had brought up and said, "Hey, just so you're aware, uh, we're starting to get a ton of calls from national media looking to talk to you." So these bigger outlets start picking up the story yep. and people that are from coast North Carolina are defending Elliot kind of saying that she's crazy, whatnot. Around this time in December of 2013, some big news outlets started to pick up the story, calling Miranda and Elliot Barber the honeymoon killers. There are big outlets, I think Fox News, CNN, The New York Post, they're all kind of picking up the story. What's the title that they were using to describe the two? So the first uh, publication that actually, well, many publications had contacted me, but the the biggest one that I, as a young reporter and actually just as a person in general, uh, my whole life was a diehard New York Post fan. Mm -hmm. So when they reached out and asked me to work with them, I mean, first of all, I was thrilled and, and honored to be able to do that. But uh, basically, the first headline that came out was a wedding slashers. Wow. Wedding yeah. slashers. And it was on the front page of the New York Post with my story. Yeah. Which is kind of, uh, as much as of a horrific situation it was, it was kind of neat that now, globally, you were able to see this. Yeah. And, and with a byline by me on it. So it was mm -hmm. kind of a... You know, a horrific way to get there, but but the world was seeing a, a, a story develop. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we we've talked about Miranda's daughter Aria several times. So what happens? I know that children and youth took her before Elliot was arrested, telling him that he was too stressed to take care of her, whatnot. Obviously, they probably knew that he was getting arrested soon. It, are are any family members trying to? get custody of her daughter like no really not that not that i was aware of at the time and again those are pretty sealed so i didn't really get to hear too much about that but i do know that her mother had reached out to me at the time and she was really trying to come up to pennsylvania and and meet with uh and meet with her daughter mm -hmm. meet with miranda correct okay so there there are other searches I think another search of the same house in a few days after the initial one. The first one, I believe, would have been on December 9th, 2013, and then another on December 12th. So what kind of happened during this one? Uh, the same thing. They were just going back for another sweep just to make sure they had everything that they could possibly have. But again, they were interviewing people that were in the house. So the more that they got, the more they tried to go out there and, and find out more information. Mm-hmm. So when they left this time, they left with boxes and bags, um, and they were seen again on the roof, searching the gutters, the panels, and whatnot. Throughout the investigation, Colleen LaFerrara, the victim's wife, stayed relatively quiet, but she did have some strong opinions on Miranda and Elliot. Through this process, I know you talked to Colleen LaFerrara initially right after pretty much they found her husband but 
were you talking to her throughout this kind of investigation? No, not really. I mean, it was few and far between mm-hmm. after the initial after the initial uh, visit with her. And again, I think it was because uh, they were victims, so they were flooded with media at that point. So right. not, not not really. I can honestly say that not really. I didn't have many conversations with her after the fact. Mm-hmm. She does say that she will probably um, attend the trials. And she well the the court appearances, and she did. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was there. And she had very strong words about both of them and, and, and said they she wanted them all to rot in hell was her exact. Uh, I think we actually made that a headline mm-hmm. in, uh, in one of the papers. So, yeah, she was very vocal. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I mean. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like, you know, we think that's, that's a big statement. But in reality, I mean, that's probably a, a pretty standard response for someone in her position. Correct. You know. Police accused Miranda and Elliot Barber not only of murdering Troy LaFerrara, but also stealing his wallet, which put the death penalty on the table. So they're also, um, around this time, is when they come out and say that they also stole LaFerrara's wallet. Well, that's a big deal because that gives them circumstance for the death penalty. So if you, if in the course of a homicide, if you commit another felony crime of robbery it's one of the aggravating circumstances that that can cause the death penalty so once that was announced everybody kind of figured the death penalty was going to be on the table mm-hmm. so now you're talking about an 18 year old girl and a 21 or 22 year old kid both facing the death penalty so and i know that's something that we'll talk about to come who was the district attorney at this time uh anthony rosini okay yeah okay it was later passed on to Ann Targonsky once he retired, so there was actually two that worked on this case. Okay, okay. So they were they would be the ones to decide and yes. whether or not yes. to pursue. And when it's possible, do district attorneys or prosecutors pretty much go for it, or would they likely consider how young? No, it like, depends on the on the circumstance of the crime, and the more that was revealed. Uh, the worse it got for for them. As as we move along, you, you know. You, it was the hearings had come up and they had told exactly what had happened uh, according to, you know, Elliot Barber. And mm-hmm. it's, it makes it worse and worse and worse. So no, age had no factor in it. It was the okay. crime itself. Right, right. We'll be right back. Sholly Insurance Agency is an independent insurance company that has been family owned and operated since 1985. When you enter their branches in Lewisburg and Sealands Grove, you will be welcomed by local agents who understand your needs and want to help you find the right coverage at the best price. Locally based and community oriented, Sholly Insurance will help you protect what you love. Head to sholleyagency.com for more information. Sholly Insurance Agency, we're here to help. According to police, at that time, Miranda Barber had tapped her husband's leg, signaling for him to strangle Troy LaFerrara. Police officer Travis Bremingen, and I know um, you, were you in close contact? Yes, the whole time. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Um, And he testified um, that Miranda had tapped Elliot's leg but he was late to respond. And that was kind of, I know we've talked about their signal, when he was supposed to come up with the rope 
and strangle Troy LaFerrara. But Elliot was late to respond. Yeah, I mean, that's what that's what they said, that, that uh, Elliot had said that he, I guess, either kind of panicked or something happened. But when she gave the signal, he never moved. And at this point, they were already parked in front of the house. So I came to later find out. So he never moved. So uh, she began the attack. Then he popped up out of the underneath a blanket in the back and wrapped a cord around the man's neck while she continued to stab him. Mm-hmm. So Now, Bremigen at this time says that the signal was that she tapped on his leg. Wasn't he? He was covered in the back seat. So I'm just wondering how that would have worked. It didn't. Okay. So that's the problem. It didn't. Okay. As opposed to what she... Uh, what we've come to find out later on, which you'll hear about at a different time. Yeah, that there was a different... comic kind of circle back to this. Yeah, okay. So, both of them, Miranda and Elliot, pled not guilty. But there's a couple different articles presented in court as evidence. And in my research, what I've found, and you can um, kind of give your own opinion or information on these items, there is a bloody black cable found near the body. Now, me reading that, I'm assuming that was what was used to strangle Troy LaFerrara. Correct. Okay. Um, There was also video footage of Miranda walking around her car in the parking lot of a department store. Now, I'm assuming this department store was at the Susquehanna Valley Mall where his truck was found. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. There's also video footage of Elliot buying cleaning supplies shortly after the crime. That was in the same store. So she waited outside. He went in. Okay. So she was walking around. So it was like at the same time, the the footage. Okay. And I know that we've talked a lot about, you know, they had just installed cameras in this area, kind of, and it was something that they were really relying on or looking into kind of right around this time because this is ha- this had happened like right after the cameras were installed at least in Sunbury. Yes. So they kind of came in clutch in this investigation. It was kind of lucky. Uh well this didn't happen the cameras didn't pick them up in Sunbury. So the cameras picked them up outside of Sunbury. What they tried to do is get the get them coming in. They, the cameras weren't on the bridge. And the bridges. There's only a couple ways into Sunbury, if anybody out there is not familiar. There's only very few ways to get in and out. So they were trying to get them on on business cameras more so. And there was a couple of businesses that had uh, video of their outside. And, you know, to their credit, they really sat back and watched and watched and watched. And you can see the car passing. Mm-hmm. So, so yes and no to the camera system that happened in Sunbury. I'm not necessarily sure that that was the final determining factor uh mm-hmm. there was other reasons why they they ended up getting seen on film and it, and it really wasn't the city cameras that did it right and so around this time which were around december 21st 2013 miranda barber is sticking to her story her story self-defense never changed la ferrara tried to grope her she got him in the car just to talk he was taking things too far um even though Elliot kind of already said, yeah, we had, like, this was the plan all along that we were going to kill someone. So you see these two different stories, and I think people are much more likely believing Elliot than they are Miranda. Because she didn't talk, yeah. Yeah, and especially with the media making her out, and people in North Carolina and whatnot kind of making her out to be the bad guy even more so than Elliot. She's a a female, 18-year-old female. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's very, to the media world, that's, that's a very... That's a big story. It's a big story. It's very intriguing mm-hmm. because most most 
I mean, not the majority of people out there who who have committed murder are males. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, let's face it, that's the reality of it. So to hear this about an 18-year-old girl who nobody's heard from yet, there's nothing coming out about her yet, mm, was kind of kind of an interesting interesting uh, little factor there, and especially the fact that once we had learned once we had learned a bunch of a bunch of I don't want to get a put the uh, get ahead of where we're going here, but once mm-hmm. you learn a bunch of things, it even made it even more fascinating. Mm-hmm. A little bit into the new year, into January of 2014, and that's where the that's where the that's where the world changed. The world stopped for a couple days in the next couple months, and especially uh, for you, especially for me, in a major, major way. And uh, I know we're going to get into that later on, but I will end with telling you, I went into work one morning and I saw a letter. That was sitting on my desk and a lot of editors and a lot of reporters circled around to wait for me to open it. What was in that letter? Find out in next week's episode. This podcast is produced by Harv Productions, LLC.